Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, May 22nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So let's start the show today with a question. Are you optimistic about the prospects for the economy over the next year or two? Like if you had to put money down on a bet, would you say overall we're going to see a strong economy moving forward or a weak economy? Now, if I had to put my own money on the line, say in Vegas, I would definitely bet against the economy. But right now, people are literally betting for it, not in Vegas, of course, but in the markets. Going into today, gold was actually on track for a weekly loss. Now, not a huge loss, mind you, about 0.8%. And we've seen some gains this morning. There seems to be a good bit of safe haven buying because of this continuing undercurrent of tension between the U.S. and China. So gold could end up closing up on the week. And, And of course, I'm not saying that everything is bleak. We're still above 1750. But Thursday was a rough day for the yellow metal. Why? Well, according to CNBC, positive economic data and the easing of lockdowns. Now, this good economic data that I speak of was primarily out of Europe. It seems manufacturing picked up a bit there. And as the CNBC report put it, the private sector recession improved as the economic lockdown loosened. Okay, this isn't exactly a reason to throw a parade. When you go from total lockdown to working a little bit, of course, economic numbers are going to improve. Look, we're going to see economic numbers improve over the next few months here in the United States as well as we go from virtually no economic activity to some economic activity. But that does not translate to a strong, vibrant economy. It is possible to go from abhorrent to, say, run-of-the-mill awful. Meanwhile, the Dow is up about 800 points on the week, even though it lost a little bit of ground yesterday. The reason we got for the stock market boost was some promising news on a coronavirus vaccine. So once again, we have this narrative that once we get rid of the virus, the economy is going to spring back to vibrancy. We're going to flip that switch and everything's going to go back to normal. And that goes back to my original question. If you had to bet, would you bet for or against this economy over the next several years? I'm betting against it, even if they cure coronavirus, because coronavirus isn't causing the sickness. The cure is what is making us sick. What we really need is a vaccine against the cure. Now, another reason we've seen U.S. stocks rising this week is Jerome Powell went on 60 Minutes on Sunday and assured us that we're going to get more of the central bank's cure, and we're going to get it good and hard. That also boosted gold early in the week. In fact, bullion rallied to its highest price since October 2012 on Monday. Silver also had a fantastic run-up early in the week. In fact, we finally saw the white metal step into the spotlight. It outperformed gold and closed that yawning silver-gold ratio up a bit. In the week ending last Tuesday, the price of silver moved from 1551 to 1735 an ounce. That was an 11.9% increase in just one week. With the jump in the price of silver, the silver-gold ratio fell from over 113 to 1 earlier this month to under 101 to one today. And silver hasn't given up its gains. It's still trading at 1744 an ounce as I'm recording this podcast. Now, earlier in the month, I talked about the fact that silver hasn't been this undervalued when priced in gold in over 5,000 years. 
Although the silver-gold ratio has closed, the white metal remains historically inexpensive compared to gold. We still effectively have silver on sale. Now, one would think that the white metal has a good run up ahead of it. If you're bullish on gold, you should definitely be bullish on silver. Silver has historically outperformed gold during a gold bull run. Just look back at the 08 financial crisis. The price of silver dropped precipitously along with gold in the early days of that meltdown. But once the Federal Reserve's quantitative easing kicked in, silver rallied along with gold and hit near record highs. In fact, silver outperformed gold between early 2009 and 2011, it climbed a staggering 440%. With what the Fed is doing today, there's no reason we couldn't see a similar dynamic. So let's go back to Powell. Like I said, he was on 60 Minutes last weekend, and he assured America that the Fed has our back. He also bragged a little bit about how the Central Bank and Congress did, quote, a great deal and did it very quickly. But he also acknowledged, quote, it may well be that the Fed has to do more. It may be that Congress has to do more. In fact, Powell said there is, quote, no limit to what the central bank can do. No limit. Quantitative easing infinity is on. The printing presses are cranking out dollars 24-7. We're going to borrow. We're going to spend. We're going to stimulate you until you drop dead of a heart attack. Peter Schiff often uses the heroin analogy to explain the Fed's monetary policy. The Fed is the pusher, and it's got the junkie, the economy, hooked on its monetary heroin. What I'm seeing today reminds me more of ecstasy. Everybody is all hopped up on the dance floor, flailing away on a chemically induced high. But pretty soon the crash is going to come, and then the economy is going to sleep for like two years. But don't you worry. Your supplier still has plenty of tabs to hand out. Powell said there's a lot more we can do, in fact. We're not going to run out of ammunition, he said, not by a long shot. No, there's really no limit to what we can do with these lending programs that we have. Now, this isn't altogether true, right? There is a limit to what the Fed can do. In fact, as Peter pointed out in his podcast, all the Fed can really do is print money. I mean, it can't create a job. It can't manufacture stuff. It can just conjure dollars out of thin air. That's a neat trick. Wish I could do it, but it doesn't really help the economy, does it? I mean, when you boil it all down, you don't really want dollars. You want the stuff that dollars can buy. The problem we have here is nobody is making the stuff. The Fed can't make stuff. When you strip it all away, the Fed is making inflation. That's it. You can call it quantitative easing or injecting liquidity or monetary support or whatever fancy schmancy term you want to use. But at the end of the day, Jerome Powell is creating inflation. He's giving you ecstasy tabs. Feels great now. Juicing the stock market, keeping the air in the bubbles, but it's not going to last. And when you crash, you're going to crash hard. And here's the reality. There is also a limit on how much money the Fed can print, right? I mean, you can't take drugs forever. If they keep printing money at this pace, at some point, the currency becomes worthless. The dollar collapses. People realize these things are useless for getting stuff, so they get rid of them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when you hit the end of the road. So yes, Pusher Jerome, there is a limit to how much ecstasy I can take. What is the limit? 
I don't know. But just think about how much money the Fed is creating. I don't think most people grasp just how incredible this is. Last week, the Fed added another $225.4 billion to the money supply. It has increased 13.4% in just eight weeks. Meanwhile, the central bank added another $103 billion to its balance sheet. It now stands above $7 trillion. The balance sheet could easily hit $10 trillion before the end of the year. Keep in mind, at the height of the 2008 financial crisis, the Fed's balance sheet was somewhere in the $4.5 trillion range, and people thought that was bad. Of course, the Fed promised back then it was going to shrink the balance sheet. That never happened. And if anybody thinks the Fed will ever be able to normalize after this binge, they're absolutely delusional. Look, the key thing here to wrap your head around is that the economy is not just about dollars. It's not just about money. It's about the stuff. And I don't see how anybody can be confident that the economy is going to be making more stuff anytime soon. Of course, yesterday we got the weekly unemployment report. Another 2.4 million Americans filed initial unemployment claims. Think about that. Economies are starting to open up and nearly two and a half million more people lost their jobs. And people think the economy is going to bounce right back. It's just insane. In just nine weeks, 38.6 million people have filed for initial unemployment aid. That's 23.7% of the entire March U.S. labor force. The economy is about goods and services, and we now have nearly a quarter of the people who make those goods and perform those services sitting at home playing video games. I read that one of the restaurant trade groups predicted that a quarter of the nation's restaurants will never reopen. Supply chains are wrecked. Small businesses have been decimated. And a lot of businesses that have managed to hold on have had to take on a bunch of new debt. Heck, they were already leveraged to the hilt before the pandemic. A lot of them aren't going to make it. We're going to see a wave of bankruptcies as that debt begins to catch up with people. So the Fed can spit out as many dollars as it wants to. Nancy Pelosi can helicopter cash out of the sky. That doesn't change the fact that you will just have a bunch of paper and nothing to buy. We need stuff, not monopoly money. It's really important to remember that the economy was already a mess before the coronavirus, and the cure we're getting now I'm using air quotes around cure. That's what made us sick. I've got a little homework assignment for you over Memorial Day weekend. I did a Facebook Live video yesterday explaining the two choices that the Fed is going to face in the relatively near near future. Neither one of these choices are particularly good. They both have different ramifications. I put the video on YouTube, and I'll link to it in the show notes page for this podcast. It kind of lays out where I think things are going to go. I also explain again how the Fed got us to this place to begin with. So check that out when you get a chance, because I think it'll give you a little bit different perspective on the future that you're not getting on CNBC or Fox Business. Also, I'll link to an article in the show notes page that gives a really good timeline on how the Fed blew up the bubble after 08, and it never delivered on its promise of normalization. And if you want to figure out how to protect your wealth as all of this unfolds, if you want to know how precious metals can fit into your portfolio, if you want a little bit more personalized look at what's ahead for you, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. These guys can help you out. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can just shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. These guys are great. Uh, They have a lot of uh, knowledge about not only macroeconomics, but the uh, financial market. So, Give those guys a call. Talk to them. And that's a gold wrap for this week. 
You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes uh, on the Shift Gold YouTube channel or on Stitcher or Google Play. So we're all over the place. Uh, you'll find links to all of that stuff on the show notes page, as well as links to our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hope you all have a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, enjoy a day off if you can. And I will talk to you again next week.